Hey, Robin. Good evening. How are you doing? How are you? Good, good. Oh, it's a good sign that my internet is working properly right from the start. Congratulations, yeah. NBN. <laughs> they did. They set out to do one thing and they did it right oh. for a change. Yeah, let's not get into that. My, uh, so I, I work for an IT company and someone happened to see me during a call this week doing a speed test on my line because I just was having a bit of issues so I ran it's a website some of you may know it's called speedtest.net and it was one of my colleagues and he looked at me he looked at the the figures and he said is that what you're getting Rob you know because I think I was getting like 18 megs down <clears throat> which is horrific and he was like man I'm getting like 200 and something oh, yeah he's Where's he's in the middle of Brisbane obviously right Brisbane um, in the city but still the fact that as a you know I'm 20 minutes out of the city in a first world country and in South Africa we get better speeds than we get here just just my my little there my little you piece. go I think I've, yeah. I've said it before but I remember being I was in Malawi in 2010 and they had like you want to get online scratch card for satellite internet Oh, nice. <laughs> wow. 2010, Malawi. I spent four months offline last year waiting for NBN. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's, uh, well, you boys don't, don't don't drink while you're recording, but let's raise a glass to the demise of the uh, Liberal government. Oh, Happy yeah. days. Yeah. I, I, you know, I wondered if we were going to get into this um, this topic. Best to get it over and done with at the start. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it was a, I think it was a pretty good result. And it's... Yeah, I don't know about your guys' circles in, um, well, obviously not so much you, Joey, but Brian, I don't know about your circles, but it seemed like that's what everyone was talking about and everyone was so pumped Pretty about much. the result. Pretty much. Yeah. It feels that way. It just, I don't know. It feels like we're a grown-up country again. It's going to be interesting to see where we are in a couple of terms from now. Oh, yeah. You know, will that, that, that teal and green support... Yeah continue on so um joey I, I don't know if you've watched the news or i know hear what's you've going got on. a new guy in charge yep. we do i'd threaten to think... lanny that we were moving to new zealand if uh <laughs> right. would go back in again <laughs> <laughs> yes but yeah i think the the greens getting so many votes mm. is what's really is really exciting yep righto Long time. so how are you going joey uh good Good, good. Good evening, gents. Um, yeah, been, been busy, busy. Busy, busy. Mm. That's, uh, I have been somewhat double booked this week through no fault of my own necessarily, perhaps just being too nice, but um, ended up having to kind of get five jobs sorted this week. So it's just... Jesus. Um, yeah, two, finishing off two from last week and then getting three jobs... Well, two jobs knocked out and one other job started. So it's five jobs total for the week to be kind of in different stages. Mm. So just flat out doing what I can. Is, and the shop, how's that looking? <sighs> Man, talk about ups and downs. It sounds like there's no space for that. Um, so on the good news is that we're getting our concrete poured tomorrow morning. So I'm going to have a slab. By the time this uh, podcast is aired, which is nice. Uh, the bad news is there's uh, 
an extra massive delay on getting the actual parts, the steel frame and everything. Um, so that it's gone from 60 days to about 150 days. Oh, God. Wow. So we're now in like, I won't have the shed until the end of September. But this is so. This is an Australian Australian company or a New Zealand company. Uh, it's a New Zealand company, but they use an Australian engineered product. Right. And from what I gather, I haven't done all of my homework here, but from what I gather, uh, quite a lot of the shed warehousing. Well, yes, I call them shed companies. Are using the same Australian product because they're a massive. Um, company and they obviously have a pretty good we, uh, kind of factory um, from what I hear though during COVID a whole bunch of guys were laid off and then now can't get the guys back and they've got orders coming out the yin yang and they can't and then there's uh, shortages, of, shortages of steel so we're um, just being pushed back and pushed back. And then, of course, you've got to put it on a boat. And you've got to wait for a boat to actually get from Aussie over to here. And we have contemplated whether or not we should go down the road of cancelling contracts and looking for someone who's got steel uh, in the country to do what we need to do. But, yeah, at, at this stage, it's, you know, we've got too much invested already in this one kind of company, you know, you can't get all your money back if you cancel these sorts of contracts. And um, by the time we actually deal with a new company, we're going to end up wait, waiting possibly mm. longer. So uh, at this stage, yeah. we're just waiting and waiting. It's a pain in the butt. Um, the worst thing is that we have to have had to extend our lease on the old workshop. And, you know, there's no budget for that. So we don't even know how how that's happening yet so but yeah start doing five jobs at once that's five, a, that's start a good, doing five that's jobs a, a week that's, that's how we're getting through it at this stage <laughs> so with this shed just remind me this is a kit shed right so it's not you haven't designed it it's mm. totally off their plan their spec well it's custom um so it's not a, it's a kit i can buy it as a kit set in that they make all the parts and it gets delivered to the, my site and then there's another fee for them to erect it uh, which I chose because I've never worked with steel in that capacity and just get some guys they're going to put it up in two weeks so it's fine with me but um, everything is engineered to suit the spans I've asked for to suit the size of the workshop that we can fit on our property and also to take the weight of the solar panels that on the roof they actually had to beef up some of the girders mm. in the middle of the roof or one side of the roof um, to take the extra weight of the solar panels which i didn't actually think would be a problem but it turns out they had to beef up steel so mm. um so it's not a kit set as in go buy one off the shelf but, but mm. kind of pre pre-made kit pre-cut maybe i'm just thinking from a logistics and um what do you call it supply chain perspective with something like a kit i would imagine you would have less uh, deviations from the plan or do you think that even those sorts of kits where i say i want 
I want a, I want an S1, please. And then they send you whatever an S1 is. I w- you know, would those be getting affected in the same yeah. way, do you think? From what I hear, my brother is uh, working in a steel industry in Brisbane. And he said it's pretty much the same there. Like, to, to a certain degree, the steel supply is just not there. And they're constantly having delays with what they can and can't get out the door because they can't get stuff in the door. So... Mm. Um, and it just seems to be just, it seems that the steel is there, but there's no labor. Does that sound about right? It's like there's a lot of people being right, laid yeah. off yeah. Uh, because of COVID. It seems like a bunch of factories have just been slowed right down. And it's just the knock-on effects just massively compounding. Yeah. I've actually been looking um, at regional property outside of Melbourne and checking out the shed situation and how much it costs to build a shed here. You scared the crap out of me when you were talking about 50 Oh. How much? What, what did the cost in your slab go up by? 50 grand or something? About that. Um, yeah. it, was not, it was not quite that much, but by the time we had to pay for everything we had to pay for, uh, we had to find that much money to pay for the, the slab. The problem with... I don't think you'll find that in... Um, no, not so much. ...Australia, because your no. ground can't be as crap as ours, and it can't be as determined not- by one earthquake every thousand years. Not quite shaky, <laughs> but yeah. But then we have the the other problems with. So anyway, here's my shop still exclusive. We're expecting baby number two, so Woo-hoo. we're probably gonna oh, be wow. uh, yeah. Nice. We're probably awesome. gonna be um, looking getting at big, maybe getting out of the city. Maybe. Big house. Yep. Oh, uh, awesome. I kind of oh, hinted to Rob. Thanks. I kind of hinted to Robin that Tazzy was possibly an option, mm. but uh, my wife. Uh, isn't very good in cold weather. So. <laughs> and she'd always thought Queensland was the way to go, and now they've had, like, a 100 days of rain in the last 100 days. Oh. Uh, just will not stop raining up there. Well, okay. Yeah, yeah um, you need to go north into the cyclone territory. <laughs> Bizarre, yeah, exactly. because you don't get any rain up yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's absolutely insane. And, yeah, big shout-out to all the guys that are still kind of mopping up from the last floods um i saw i don't know if you know mast furniture um they're based in um queensland or northern new south wales their entire workshop was under like five feet of water big cnc machines probably a couple of hundred grand's worth of machines i reckon all gone Um, i reckon more than half the makers i know up there um had severe damage to their workshops so yeah, so that's sort of scared us off Queensland a little bit and has us looking a little bit closer to home, so regional Victoria and, and seeing what options are out there. Mm. But yeah. yeah, it would be lovely not to have to deal with a landlord and be a tenant. Yes. Although, having said that, you've been posting a lot of stuff on Instagram this week, Brian, about the amazing <laughs> sunsets and, <laughs> and, and weather. And uh, yeah. it's going to be hard to beat that, that view. Because as much as city living has its cons, I'd imagine that that commute must be pretty special. It's good, yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely made a difference cycling it rather than driving it. So like mm. during COVID... And then after I had my knee reconstruction, I was obviously driving and couldn't motivate myself to get on a bike. And then I got an e-bike, like a pedal assist e-bike. And now I just avoid the van, maybe get the van, bring it into work once a week, do all my deliveries, all my rubbish runs, 
and yeah it's been really good and the weather here has just been i mean it's all going to come to an abrupt halt and start pissing with rain and be absolutely freezing soon <laughs> but we had 23 degrees today wow it's just it unheard of do you have to drive far i'm, I'm just uh, no. wondering from a point of view of um i assume petrol prices are ridiculous over there as well they're pretty bad they're not quite kiwi levels of yeah. stupid Right. Um, but I'm about a 15 minute drive and about 15 to 20 minute cycle so yeah it's I mean it saves a little bit but it's kind of not it's, crazy yeah. it's nice I'm doing crazy nice. at the moment <coughs> having, having to drive to the old workshop for my new place I'm doing I'm spending probably $150 a week oof that's just me and then if I've got to do a supply run into the city properly then there's another tank you know it's just crazy just in case we have any American listeners there can you tell them how much a litre of petrol costs in New Zealand petrol currently is like $3.15 wow something outrageous like that there were some subsidies and some places are promising lower gas here and there but you you could want to spend between $2.90 and $3 something because here in Australia, we jumped, but then it came back down. Right? Yeah, I think, what, I think, I think the, $2 the, the government stuck in a subsidy there yeah, to okay. bring it down and try to control it for the next six months. Yeah, they've just extended it. If, if, if it wasn't for the subsidy, it would probably be more like uh, $3.50. <laughs> Whoa. At the moment, because it just jumped again the other week, last week. And I... I um, read something just today <clears throat> not not to get not to get further into politics again <laughs> but there's a lot of there's a lot of talk about the what's going on with these prices it's not it's not everyone suffering there are people companies like shell are, are breaking records at the moment so there's a lot of market manipulation going on as part of this. It's not just oh the war in Ukraine we can't get yeah. fuel. So do you not feel that that's the same with every yeah. every multinational in every field at the oh, minute? Yeah. Some of them are are going to do better than ever out of this just because increased demand and then you've got a shortage of supply. Well, we, look, we we could change it and change tact a little bit and talk about the same subject but something that we actually know about like plywood um, if you think about plywood being a similar commodities it, the way I take it like birch ply it's going to dry up pretty soon Yeah. but there are still here at least relatively good stocks probably for three, four, five months maybe depending yep. on the, and what's interesting is since COVID COVID started the price going up for plywood Somebody out there who knows about economics could maybe tell me how this works. But if you've already landed a product and you've got 20 container loads of plywood, how do you then justify putting the price up for that 20 container loads when it's the next 20 container loads that is actually more expensive? Isn't that just because of all of your running costs around it? Possibly, but going I mean, up as well. the price of birch ply here is now three hundred dollars a sheet. Yeah, I mean, it was one hundred and sixty-five. Yeah, pre-COVID. Wow. Um, yeah, I don't know if you saw like that that little ply parasite side yeah. table that I. I wanted to talk I think about that, it. I think that's the last one I'm going to make. Yeah. I mean, I might yeah. I might end up doing some in um, 
in hoop pine plywood or something or poplar mm-hmm. but it's just a piece that i've always liked making out of birch i like the aesthetic of it yeah. i like that there's no voids in it yeah and it just doesn't stack up anymore um i think that piece has a certain cap to its value like i don't think edge laminated plywood you know if you try and get into a super high-end market it doesn't compete with solid timber so mm. it has a cap and once the material has reached a certain level and it's now getting up to like 25 percent of the cost of the piece with a huge amount of labor involved it just hits a point where it's just not viable anymore yeah it's uh, Joey, when you say it's gonna dry up what do you mean well birch comes from russia yeah Oh, okay. Yeah. Or Lithuania or Latvia, but it's processed yeah. in Russia, so... Yeah, I, um, I have heard conflicting things. I know it's primarily grown in Russia. From what I understand, um, a lot of the mills are in... Um, uh, is it Sweden or... Oh, really? Switzerland? I think some of the processing is done in Europe, but again, they can't get... Obviously, now they can't even get the logs, so... yeah. If that is the case, there's still going to be a dry up. But um, I imagine Russia itself is producing it. I know China produces their own, but again, they can't get the log. Or China might be able to get logs, but then it becomes a, a personal moral yeah. question as if you want to yeah. buy it. But that's a different <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I think I've, I've had still a relatively steady. Uh, inquiries for birch ply but and when i start telling people i i preface my emails now with fyi it now costs 300 dollars a sheet do you want me to even yeah. bother drawing this up um knowing that you might need 10 sheets you know is that is it an option um, it's become this you know it's going to become this pristine the most luxurious version <laughs> of hardwood <laughs> is plywood you're going to walk in and just see a, a plywood strip on your wall yeah. and that's you know, uh, you've insured that for some ridiculous amount of money yeah it's it funny was crazy the first the first one of those side tables i ever made i'm sure i've gone through it on the show before but the strips i pulled out of uh the bin at um my first workshop in kensington i used all of like butter's offcuts uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, those original pieces cost me nothing, and now like three hundred and sixty dollars a sheet for birch ply. I cannot justify that. But that's the kind of see, you know, you use your offcuts to make a piece, and I've got a job, kind of now a semi-recurring job where I've been making these. Um, actually, I think it's a South African board game. Robin, you might know what it is. It's got like, it's like a miniature pool or air hockey but you, like you slide little tokens into holes in four corners of a relatively large it's like 700 mil square um game board and it's uh made out of i'm doing them out of supply um but originally i started making for them making this lady these game boards out of off guards and it's just like you just pay me some labor and i'll just make you up as many as i have with the off guards i have um and it's a good way to get rid of offguts but of course they dried up pretty quick because i made a few of them and then so we're like okay now we're gonna have to buy in material for these yeah um but it's a that kind of table is almost what you want to keep as a um it's like it's like a you can make it when it's offguts and there's an, an exclusive run of one or two because you've got yeah. enough offguts for it 
Um, and then that's almost when the prices you can have the you know, ELB prices for it. But. Yeah, that's what I do with the little cheese boards. Yeah, fingerboard. I've never heard of that in my life. Oh no. <laughs> I'm just looking at pictures of it now. Yeah. Hmm. So my first thing was going to be to say is, are we talking about air hockey? <laughs> but yeah, just on a very small scale. I've made about 30 of those for this lady at the moment. Hmm. Interesting. Sorry, what were you going to say, Brian? I was just saying the, the same thing, like in terms of reusing the offcuts. I make those little cheese boards out of them. Yeah. And it's great. Like I'll make, I don't know, 15 to 20 at a time just of black belt and spotted gum off cuts in three different sizes and it's great until they sell out and then i'll just sit empty and then i'll get an inquiry for one and i'm like oh no could i make a batch of that? <laughs> <laughs> and i have to set aside the time to make another 10 or 15 of them but um it's good it's i mean it's all part of that cycle of wasting less and so have you yeah. guys um got any other massive or obvious supply issues with obviously birch is probably going to be a thing but mainly cost prohibitive cost prohibitive mainly at the moment um is there any still some that, still some hardware stuff but I, yeah i get the crazy. feeling that it's correcting itself somewhat mm. um, i feel like it's just being corrected by price increases though oh 100 percent. yeah, yeah. <laughs> everywhere yeah but yeah i've uh first of june my pricing increase is coming in so um, my first proper price rise in about four years, five years, something like that. I just couldn't justify it anymore. Like I was just losing money. So I will admit, maybe I think once I've looked at your website. Um, but uh, do you actually once? <laughs> do you actually have a shop with things? Because like, like no, if I need to put my prices up, it just goes up, and nobody knows because it's just like one of a kind of jobs, you know. So I do actually, I, I list my prices on pretty much every item. There's some of the kind of built-in right. uh, bespoke units I don't list, but all the other prices I do list them. And then yeah. in the shop, I just have things like cheese boards, hats, t-shirts, yeah, um, yeah. and then any stocked items. Like say I've got like a display pinch bench or something like that. It'll just be up okay. there sitting. Yeah. Right. But now most of the stuff that sells through the shop is either just... Um, caps or cheese boards right which is fair enough it sort of just manages itself what's but, been um, the the general response from from customers so joe you were talking about earlier when you work with birch ply you are upfront with the the cost does that are you finding more and more people are turning away from furniture or kitchens because of it um there's definitely more still more inquiry for cabinetry I feel like people think there's a bit of value from cabinetry because it's typically such a bigger thing and it's very um, utilitarian. Obviously, it's a, a useful thing, that, and it, and you can design very nice cabinetry. So it's not like it's it's not like it's boring. I typically won't go for boring square cabinets. And more and more, in the last few months, I've been turning people away and just saying, "Go find someone who just does boxes," because I don't really want to do that. I'll, I'll take the job on if it's a bit, little more interesting and we can put some, you know, a bit of artistic flair in it. Um, but recently I did price like a, a birch ply sofa and ottoman unit, and which mm. the client was going to have then upholstered. 
and I went through quite a few iterations, and then finally she said, look, I want to do it, but I'm not going to force the people that owe me money to pay me so I can't afford the um, the um, piece of furniture. Mm. Uh, so, because she, she prefaced the email with it's hard times, people are struggling, and I don't want to have to, you know, force someone else to pay the, the bill so I can get my furniture, which uh, I um, agree and disagree with. But <laughs> I thought it was an odd stance to take. But That is an odd stance because yeah. surely she's come to you and has some knowledge of the fact that it's not going to be the price of an Ikea sofa. She, I, think, think, I don't think the price was a problem. Like, it, And it was very crazy expensive for, for what she wanted, but she wanted the birch ply and she wanted to have a whitewash on it and all this other stuff. Um, but I think she just, you know, in the middle of a build suddenly becomes, yeah. do, I, do I actually want to spend that much money on, on that thing? Um, I'll definitely second what you're saying about, um, I've got way more inquiries now for cabinetry and built-ins than I have done for freestanding furniture. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I mean, in, in, in one regard, you can look, at my YouTube output and say my last video was like the uh, torsion box table that I made for myself out of Purple Heart mm -hmm. and my next video is going to be a torsion box table that I'm making for a client and you get to see all the ways I uh, um, fixed my fuck ups from the first time around <laughs> with the ring yeah. <laughs> um, but um, uh, what was I going to say um, and you can see, work. yeah, and you can see like it's been six or seven months between videos and that's because I've been doing cabinetry and yeah, I've done yeah. enough cabinetry videos. So I'm not going to do more of that. Um, and that's why I asked the question because outside of cabinetry, when we're talking, uh, custom furniture, I feel like this is one of those industries where the people that were buying your furniture in the first place are not the ones who are feeling that pinch as much mm. yet. So... I wonder if we're in an industry where we are potentially a little bit more immune to it. We can raise our prices. Perhaps. People just accept that. Perhaps so I, find, I, I find most of my clients are typically in the middle of some kind of renovation. Um, and so there's a lot more money at stake, a, a much larger project that they're on, and I'm just one aspect of it. And so typically they'll have a budget earmarked for that part of the project. It's not that often that I'll have people come to me who have a random budget budget for a random piece of furniture. Uh, it happens, but not as often. This idea of budgeting for things like renovations and, and I guess even furniture, I find it such a strange concept because unless you are working in that industry, how can you budget for a kitchen if i was to go and renovate my kitchen and, and want to budget for cabinetry i've got no qualification to say it's going to cost xyz that's what i can throw at it because that's what i've got but that's just an uneducated way of doing it hmm. yeah people how, like how can how can i say i want to spend 10 grand on cabinets because that's a reasonable amount of money to spend. Well, I don't you know can what say a reasonable that. amount. Like you can come to me and say, uh, "I've budgeted ten grand," and then if I like, if you come across a nice person like me, you might say, "Okay, well, for ten grand, straight away, like your options 
we're going to be this, this, and this, and forget about all of that other stuff. Mm. Um, and then, you know, remove that, and you might get that, and you, and you might have that for 10, 10 grand. Um, other people will just not even reply to your email, I suppose. Um, but I, you know, it's a good, um, I love it when someone actually gives a budget. Um, Me too. It's still my first question, especially yeah. when we're talking about price rises. First thing I'll ask them is, how much do you want to spend on it? Yeah. Oh, that's such a, that's such has, a difficult because, question. Because cabinetry, because... Like, let's think about it this way. If someone comes to me and says, oh, I want this kitchen and I want to have it, I want to have all the mod cons. It's going to have bloody electric drawers and everything you want. And I'm like, okay, like, I'll draw it up and, and we'll give you a price. And then I give them a price for $70,000 because it's like everything they even imagined. And they're like, oh, we've already got 15000 I'm like, okay, well, what did you think? Let's start cutting. Yeah, like, let's start from square one again. Um, <laughs> and in the meantime, I've spent three weeks drawing this up and pricing all these crazy things. Yeah. But, and it's a good way to alienate a cabinet maker if you um, <laughs> just have no clue. So, uh, mm. yeah, having, I don't know how you get an idea of budget without just talking to people, really. And I think that's where word of mouth comes in because um, mm. people who know people who had a kitchen done and they say, oh, I use this guy and this kitchen cost me this much. And then the, the next the neighbor has a similar thing and it costs them twice as much. And then you could kind of compare apples for apples. And I think that's really I, the only way to do it. I guess it's a bit more of an interesting one when it comes to custom furniture because yeah brian so i come to you and i say i want you to make me a, a nice table and you say what's the budget there i guess it's a bit easier because i can say well i wanted to spend a thousand dollars on this project mm. that's it what can you do for a thousand where it's interesting with something like a kitchen is because a lot of the times and, and joey correct me if i'm wrong because i don't build kitchens but there is a there is a a, a an almost defined amount that that's what you're going to spend on a kitchen. You can go up from there, but you don't, as a, as the client, I don't really have a big say in the bottom end of that. It's going to cost a minimum. Yeah, and there's always a minimum, I suppose. Um, there's a, and there's, But there's always a range of products and there's a range of hardware and, and it's just a matter of trying to convey to the client. Like, And that's why sometimes I'll say, do you want the Rolls Royce of drawers or do you just want uh, economy drawer that's nice and then if someone mm. says what they want Rolls Royce it starts telling you a picture of what they expect to pay as well as soon as you start just saying the word Rolls Royce means best of the best in which case you can price it accordingly um, in that you're allowing for the, the best hardware and fittings that you can find not just throwing money at it because it's called Rolls Royce um, <laughs> yeah but for like tables, you get. I think it's easier because anyone can go to any furniture website and look at what tables cost, and you might get a table for a grand, and you might get a table for five, six, seven grand in a shop, and then you get a pretty good idea of what you might expect to pay uh, from a furniture maker, assuming that you're asking for a standard style table. As soon as you come mm. to someone with a budget of three thousand and you want it to be floating off the floor and you know all this fancy stuff, then you're not going to be spending that money, are you? Clover-shaped legs and yeah. all that kinds <laughs> of craziness. I got a couple of inquiries emailed through uh, asking for pricing on that this week. Really? Didn't get a reply after I sent them the pricing information. No. 
can, can you tell us what the price is? Yeah, what you would charge yeah, it? Well, as well, you got to remember it's not me charging it because yeah. I didn't design the piece. You're so, just the like, yeah, okay. You're just the laborer. It's John, I'm just the labor man. That's me. <laughs> Um, so the total piece is twenty eight thousand. Not as bad as I thought it was going to be. If oh, I'm honest, good. I thought it would be. I thought it'd that's be higher. Good. I mean, I obviously don't have that type of money to throw at <laughs> the table. But me neither. I thought it would be higher. Do you like when you like the, the cost of the CNC on the legs? Four thousand dollars. Yeah. Or just just under four thousand dollars. That's actually reasonable. So. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you think if you were to make that out of something other than crazy gold plated timber? It would change it. I mean, the cost of that timber Copy. must have been pretty crazy, or not really. The timber was actually donated for that exhibition. Okay, so, so that would be more than so that. That was zero, yeah, but right. the actual material cost in that piece is probably there's quite a bit of waste in the legs. Yeah, um, it's probably about three grand somewhere in there. So thirty thousand dollars, something like that. Total. What's that, like, if, if you were going to buy one new, like if I commissioned you to make it, yeah. you had to buy in materials, I'm going to be looking at. Well, no, it's 28,000 with the new materials now. Oh, okay. Yeah. And right. the difference of going from like it's hydrowood tazi oak down to Vic Ash or something like that. It's not, it's not you much. You might save yourself 500 yeah. bucks or something, yeah. or maybe 800 yeah. bucks. Yeah. But um, yeah. So yeah, still waiting for the replies to those emails. <laughs> <laughs> so Joey when it comes time to actually move out of the shop oh, God. You, <laughs> don't talk about it that's yeah. that's future problem uh, have you got a plan on how that's going to go we have a budget <laughs> of what we're so willing not, to spend to get the workshop shifted um, so you're not going to bother doing it yourself yeah I'll probably do Just most of it um, yeah, okay. obviously I've got to get a couple of heavy-ish machines shifted, so I'll probably hire someone who does that machine moving. Uh, hopefully, has some kind of crane and/or forklifty machine with them who can shift my big saw. And my drum sand is actually really heavy, so that needs to be done properly. Um, is that a common service? I don't know. I haven't actually googled it. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm, I'm so sure that I've seen, and this is over in the States, but just seeing it on YouTube, I'm sure I've seen people doing that. Yeah. I where think, they get a company to, yeah. who, who just do that heavy lifting. There is. Uh, I don't see. They do for big machines, like actually heavy machines. But, um, you know, most of my stuff is on the high end of, um, well, it's not commercial really. It's, it's just like high hobbyist stuff. Prosumer. <laughs> but uh, it's still heavy enough that you need someone with a pallet mm. jack and that knowledge of how to actually strap stuff up because what I don't want especially with my table saw is I don't want to have to reconfigure it completely I, I'd like it to not be dropped <laughs> so like if I can avoid yeah. having to reset the runners on the big sliding table that would be really good um, mm. so at this stage we're just probably going to hire a truck to whatever I can lift and then get get someone else to do the heavy stuff and then I've given myself like a week to to sort it out and then we need to be cutting wood inside of a week so sure that's a heavy time frame uh, yes but hmm. uh, just you know time is money 
if any yeah. if any uh, listeners in Auckland would like to hang out with Joey for a week, <laughs> <laughs> do a, ma- a meet uh, make a meetup. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's what uh, what's his name from Samurai Carpenter. Um, yeah, could you say actual name? Oh. Um, anyway, that's what he's been doing with that place that he's building that cabin. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. He's he's always got new people hanging out and building it from being grunts. Yeah. <laughs> Very clever. Genius. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to the move. Uh, I, up until just this week, I'd been trying to put it on the calendar of where it was going to be and try and get jobs either side of it, and then. I just gave up because the time frame kept moving and now it's really moved so um, mm. I'm just going to stop the job in the middle of whenever it is and then we'll just shift and try and start from where we left off yeah because I guess you're going to have to get the shed complete only after the shed is complete do you really need to be thinking about that yeah provided yeah. the shed's in in time yeah. I mean the shed's going to go done, up you've done a workshop move before this haven't you yes but now I actually know what I'm doing um, and like when I first moved into the workshop I'm in, I had like one truckload of stuff, <laughs> like, yeah. and I could pretty much lift it all. And my machinery, I bought new machines for that workshop that have never been anywhere right. else. So, um, yeah, stuff like a table saw, you can't. Not this one. No. It's just, you can't. Yeah. You can't move it. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a pain in the butt. But you know, once the shed's up, then I've got to fit out. I've got to build. Our spray room, got to build a workshop, uh, office smoker room, got to build a couple of wing walls where we can lean stuff, put machines against. And I have that planned out. It's just a matter of, you know, at this stage, I can't even buy framing timber to do that with, so I'm not sure what we're going to use. So. <laughs> You're not going to be using jib board, that's for we're sure. We're not using jib board. <laughs> I've already decided I'll probably line all the walls with MDF and just spray it because uh there's nothing else yeah jesus i've been toying with the idea of potentially staying down in tassie because for those who don't know the goal was eventually to i was only here for 18 to 24 months and part of me wants to go back to townsville because all of the tools and everything is it's up there in storage and it's going to be a relatively easy move but if I was to stay down here, the cost of moving a bandsaw, drum sander, mm. edge sander, am I better off just flogging them in Townsville yep. and then buying you here? Because what is the cost going to be to move? You know, can, can you put tools like that into a container that yeah. Joe Blow house movers would move? Absolutely, you could. But you'd have to get some of the crate it up. They'd have to be in like, probably st- like crates like they came in, like a decent wooden crate with a pallet jack, you know, something they could actually lift them on. And so someone has to build that and get it wrapped up and all that. I just see it as an opportunity to buy new tools. Yeah, yeah I see, but all my tools are basic. Well, the ones that I've kept are all basically new. Uh, my, yeah, I well. mean, I've got it. Admittedly, my, my $2,500 bandsaw when i looked at it last was like three grand because all the prices have gone up so i might even be able to get my money back which is which is frustrating well it's great but then when i come to buy it it's going to be frustrating yeah well that is the Um, problem if you have to pay more for the tools than you do now then that's not great 
Now you you reckon you have to palletize it. You can't just the heavy stuff. I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking back to when when they when I moved from Adelaide Adelaide up to Townsville and I had a removalist. They took things like the fridge and they just pushed it into a corner and yeah. strapped it up. Can't they just do the same thing with? They might be with your like your bandsaw wouldn't be. It's like a. 12 inch bandsaw or something or 14 inch bandsaw it's 14 it's about two, it's about 2 meters tall yeah something like that I reckon you probably could get away without mm. piloting it it would have to be dead clean yeah and all the loose parts would have to be in another box or something you know like yeah. the fence and all the bits and pieces that come with it yeah yeah but I, I think the only people who would do that would be like a, a furniture moving company who you would hire special for that trip yeah. The problem with other like freighting companies is that one truck's not going to do the whole trip. They're going to move it halfway there, and it's going to get yep. shifted onto the next Go truck. The and next they, one. oh yeah, and they just oh, want to no, put no, it no. on pallets and just bang, bang, bang. No, if I was to do it, I'd go through a company like Kent, where they put it into a um, yeah a container. Well, in that case, it'd be fine. But you, yeah. you you might not get your money's worth if you have to pay for a whole container. But the last time I checked, I think it was. I think it was seven grand to move a container from Townsville down to Tassie, which is mm. close. It'll be real close. But if you did that, you, you wouldn't need to fit all your household stuff into. Oh, we've got a we've got a storage unit which is two and a half by f- no two by four and a half meter, so nine meter squared storage unit, about three meters tall, packed to the rafters, and so we should be able to get all of that into a into a, a container yeah technically yeah um you know when we were talking about what we we're going to discuss on the show tonight and we we're just kind of <laughs> yeah totally freeballed it um i was thinking it might be fun because you guys have interviewed me on here i'm gonna throw you guys some questions <laughs> sure <laughs> yeah you guys interviewed me way before i was a host so anybody that's listening to the show now go back I don't know, three seasons or something you'll find uh, interview with me. But, Many years ago. Okay, so just short questions, but just a bit of background about you guys. So, Joey, start with you. Where were you born? How old are you? I was born in Christchurch in You're New Zealand. In Christchurch, yeah. And I am 38. All right, Robin? Yeah. This is, this is a funny, the age is a funny question because I think we, because uh, the last time this came up, we hadn't actually met each other in person. Joey, we've met once over a, a, a short period of time, but we were all quite surprised at the ages of each other. Um, so I'm also 38, and I was born in Durban in South Africa. Mm. And where, where were you born, Brian? I'm going to guess oh. Ireland, but that feels like a, a yeah. really easy one. you got Belfast. a Kiwi passport. Oh, what? You are Belfast. Yeah, yeah, born in Belfast, but got a Kiwi passport, got... A Irish passport and a British passport, thanks to the Good Friday Agreement, and now I've got a nice shiny new Australian passport in the post. Well, yeah, in the post. Oh, well, yeah, because just... I only just got my citizenship. So, all oh, right, did you do the yeah. whole ceremony? Uh, it was during lockdown, so it was so online. No. <laughs> so no, but yeah. it doesn't really matter. I literally got citizenship just to vote that prick out. So job done. <laughs> <laughs> So literally, I've sat here, like I've been in Australia now for um, 
18 years. And after the bushfires, it was the first time where I ever went, I have to vote in the next election. Mm. So yeah, there we go. Sweet. All right. What hobbies outside of woodworking do you guys have? Apart from rearing children, which decimates any hobby time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. You, know, you were in a band, Robin. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I had hobbies yeah, before I kids hobbies. came along. <laughs> well, all right, that's so many hobbies. What hobbies did you used to have? What was your band, what was your band oh, called? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, so I was, music was, music was it. Music was yeah. everything. So I had my first gig at 16 years old playing at some dodgy pub on the wrong side of town. Dad giving me the talk before we went out. Listen, Bobby, because that's what he's calling me. Listen, Bobby. I don't mind if you drink. I don't mind if you smoke. But please, just don't do drugs. Because, you know, that's all he can think is his son's going to turn out in the gutter. So I've been playing in bands since I was 16. I played in a punk band called Mr. Smug. Nice. We used to, we toured South Africa. We were, we were on our way. Um, and then that all sort of fell apart. And then in my Please tell time, me we can find this music online. You actually can. I have a, there's a, I've found a, a video of us playing at a baseball park back when I had hair. Amazing. And jumping right. around stage. It was, yeah, those, those, are, the, uh, those are the fun days. What anyway, did you play? Bass guitar. Nice. Yeah, I always wanted to be a drummer, but I couldn't afford the kit, so uh, I ended up <laughs> that's the problem. To, to form the band. Because I know, Joey, you're a, you're a drummer. Yeah. Um, and then in my mid-20s, I went over to London and picked up a rap career. It started, I was a rapper for... Whoa. You were a 20- rapper? Yeah, yeah. So I did that in London. <laughs> That's crazy. And then in Adelaide as well, um, I got a band together. We started doing shows like as a, like as a rap group, but you know, as a band. Um, we did all these really cool shows uh, when the Royals were here in Australia. Yeah. I actually performed. I'm going to use the term for the Royals, which is very loose, but it was at one of the gigs, one of right. the festivals. We did a show there. Um, yeah, and then and then that sort of fell away when woodworking picked up. Nice. Yeah. What about you, Joe? Uh, yeah, hobbies. I had lots of hobbies. Started out skateboarding, which got me into woodworking because I made skateboards from 13. And then um, got into punk, got into a punk band. A few, few punk bands ended up in a big band called Garage Fodder. Got two albums I recorded on the second album. And cool. um, Also available online? Yeah. Uh, YouTube definitely I'm not sure about Spotify and stuff happy no, days I know what I'm doing the rest of my evening yeah. uh, I don't I think there's only three videos on YouTube <laughs> and I'm in one of them and okay. uh, let's see and then I got into martial arts got into Taekwondo for some reason I forget exactly how that happened <laughs> uh, did that for 10 years and then um, yeah kids and woodwork stopped everything <laughs> so they one, of the f- one of the first videos I saw of Joey's you had I'm pretty sure it was less than Jake in the background and for those who don't know that's a, a punk band from the states and I heard it and I was like oh this, this, is, this is my guy he's, he's building <laughs> oh, stuff one of my videos. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's listening to the right music in the background he's my guy yeah, yeah I used to get that oh, a lot that's people. right I remember your, your videos you used to have crazy punk music in the background some of them but yeah. typically I would be listening to music when I work and it would just come mm-hmm. on and then yeah. of course that was before YouTube seemed to care about that stuff um, and although I haven't got any strikes for those old videos but whatever yeah. um, but a lot of people would comment on like 
the music I'm listening to, and that, I always found that interesting. Um, yeah. But I quickly realized that that kind of music puts 75% of people off. So, yep. Tamed yeah. it down. I think you you win in some areas. Yeah. And I think you probably have a more loyal. Yeah. That 25% is super loyal. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. they connected you, but yeah, it's only 25%. That's right. Yeah. All it, right. It, Let's keep going. Yeah. If yeah. you yes, didn't question. do, if you didn't do woodworking, what would you do? Oh. That's a really tough question. Career, not hobby. What would you do? Oh, career. Mm. Uh, probably filmmaking. Maybe I'm not sure. That's maybe I just said that as a reflex. <laughs> sure. No, that that sort of makes sense. Yeah. Because are you implying that we get to choose our career? So what's your dream career outside of woodworking? Well, what would or you have you, ended up? <laughs> how, how are you paying the bills outside of woodworking? Because those are two very... Uh, kind of a mix of the both. What, what would you be yeah. best suited to? So yeah, I'd say, Joey, like a TV or videos is kind of makes sense. Yeah, I would yeah, never put work. all my eggs in one basket. Because I've yeah. changed, changed all the time. Like I'm always changing, and even the, even what I'm doing now is different from how it started. Um, and so I would say that I would start doing something, and it would morph into something completely different. Yeah, and I think the older you get, you you get a better, better view on that. Mm. When I was growing up, all I ever wanted, and the, I can remember this from high school days. All I ever wanted was a cubicle and a computer, <laughs> and that's what I wanted to do. I just wanted to go into the office, just you know, do be work. a developer, and just and just work and then clock out, and and that was my. And it was only when you get into that, because I, you know, I still work in an IT company full time, so that's what I'm doing. It was only after getting into that you're like, wow, there's so much more going on. I want to go be a firefighter. <laughs> I want to go. I want to be the guys on the mountains and the ski slopes who are stopping avalanches and yeah. blowing up stuff every day. <laughs> there's so many other more interesting jobs out there without just paying the bills. Yeah, good answers. All right. Least favorite part of woodworking. Enjoy. We know yours is clients, so yeah, yeah. Just, we can skip to this. Chasing <laughs> money. Chasing money. What about a physical part of the job? Like, are you are you an anti-sander or? I'm not an anti-sander, but um, I must say I spent the day on a hand plane uh, working on my oval table and I um, got sore arms. Mm. So mm. maybe that's a small complaint. <laughs> I Problem? think echoing echoing that I would say with with hand planes, but with a lot of things is just setting up setting up machines and being able to believe in the machine so <laughs> that's a great I, shot i had a very much love-hate relationship with my uh, uh, jointer uh, which yeah. i've sold <laughs> and i hope to never see it again and it the problem was it just it, the whole experience was always soured every time i would get onto the machine i'd cut a board or i'd flatten a board and i'd go now is this my technique is it mm. the machine do i spend another two days trying to fix it yeah that that was one of the best things about the, the men's shed and what I asked them who does the machines who takes care of the machines because I don't want to be that person <laughs> alright uh, best investment for your workshop what's the thing that you've bought and it doesn't have to be the most expensive thing what's the best thing that you've bought 
Let's see. Straight I, off the bat, in terms of tools, I'd say router. My router gets used on pretty much every project at some point. I think um, that's how I would rank it as most used. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a toss-up between my panel saw and my new uh, sander, orbital sander I've got. What did you get? That's an interesting one. I've got a rupees sander. Yeah. And back, and it is awesome. It's a um, uh, auto body brand kind of that yeah. panel beaters and such would use, but uh, works perfectly well for wood. Just um, six 150 discs. 150. I can change your head and have 150 or 125. Yeah. And that's uh, great. Great little sander, variable speed, and does everything I want it to do. It's got a three mil orbit. Uh, or maybe it's a five mil orbit one. I can't remember it actually, but it does super, super job. Um, but probably the panel saw is used more than that. And like that really had opened up all sorts of opportunities for types of work we can do. Or doing like, that's why I see your panel saw and the only time I'm jealous of it because I've just always, I've always been like a, a table saw guy rather than a panel saw. Mm. But just doing like a glue line rip instead of having to join the yep. three just, meter long board. Oh yeah. my God. I just made a desk just over three meters so just these boards just fitted on my table saw um it was like i don't know 20 minutes before i was going to go home and i was like i'm just going to get these boards thrown through the thickness of it and glue it up and I, I did it just whacked it on the table straight straight bang couple of dominoes <laughs> glue it get out of there uh, <laughs> whereas for me i'd be going uh, I've only got two hours left before yeah. I go home. Maybe I should do something yeah. else. And you've got to factor in the amount of time that you're going to be stuffing around and yeah. throwing tools across the, the workshop in a rage. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a pretty efficient tool. All right. Just going back to the sander. Uh, yes. What makes it so much better than a Makita? Um, well, that's a good question because we have always had Makitas. And when, I never used to think there was any problem with Makitas, they sand wood just fine. But then you put one in each hand, have the $2,000 one versus a $200 one, and it's like sanding with a dream, with, the, with like it doesn't vibrate, you could do it for an hour and you'll be fine. And it, it, and it's like quarter of the, the, the noise coming off it. Whereas mm. you use the Makita and it's just screaming at full RPM and just screaming yeah. at you and vibrating and you don't even know it is until you use something that's actually made to be whole, held and worked with all day. Yeah. Um, and the, the finish itself, is it... That's perfect. I mean... Very, well, is it different? Is there, is there uh, a um, tangible, noticeable difference? Uh, so what I learned with the high-end sanders is they typically come in two orbits. You get a 5 mil orbit and a 3 mil orbit. And the 3 mil orbit is to doing really fine finishing work or typically for stuff that's going to be sprayed, like car guys. Um, and the five mil is typically used for heavy uh, removal of stock. And it's, it's fine for flat panel work, um, like sanding a desktop or something. Uh, and then if you use a smaller grip, then the, the five mil orbit isn't really noticeable. Um, and the three mil really leaves a perfect finish where you really can't see in the orbit, the little squirrels you sometimes see with the orbital sanders. Mm. Pigtails, I think they call them. Yeah. So, um, just a really nice machine. I just about bought another one the other week, but I ended up buying a, uh, a horizontal belt sander like I think you've got, Robin. 
Mm. Yeah. That that would have been a, a very close one as well uh, for me. I think I think yeah. If you if you're a sanding person, there's a lot of tools that you can pretty much use on on any pro- project. I've even used that sander of mine to, admittedly, not make the best glue joint, but you can yeah, if you've got a short enough piece, you job. can get a yeah. yeah, you can get a glue joint with that yeah. Yep. Uh, biggest waste of money in the workshop. Ooh, um, Again, it doesn't have to be the biggest outlay, but the purchase that you've gone. Ugh, wish I had that back in the bank. Um, oh, I have such a controversial one, but I can't do it because I'm going to burn bridges and I'm just going to leave it there. Okay. Oh, you can't not say that. <laughs> I've got a good one then. Uh, but the problem is, I didn't actually pay for this, but I wish I just didn't deal with the whole bollocks of it. Right. Is the yeah, X card. Um, really? Was, oh yeah. What happened to that? Well, they gave me one. Like they, at that time in that year, whenever it was, every YouTuber was getting X calves, and they offered me one under some contract that all I had to do was produce one or two videos exclusively you telling people about X calve. So I did that. Um, the problem is, it's just it's a bit of a toy, and now everything, a lot of the, uh, I don't want to say. Um, Equivocally, that uh, this is so, but a lot of the tools that are, used to be available are now kind of behind paywalls, or the tools that you really need to use is behind a paywall. And um, I'm on, I've been like grandfathered in on like a free contract. Um, mm-hmm. So it seems like more and more that the tools that you need to do reasonable drawings and to actually cut what you want to cut uh, are not available. And um, it's just not worth the space, and I don't know that I'll actually bother setting that one up in the new workshop. Just um, offload. I may just get rid of it, and I'm learning now the, the big CNC that's in the workshop. It's not actually mine, it's my father-in-law's, but now I'm starting to actually learn the software to use that one. Hmm. It's funny that the name Xcarve sort of triggered an, a long-forgotten memory. I don't haven't heard that name in years. Yeah. Mm. They just sort of dropped off. Well, they just released a big boy version of it it's got a lot beefier and it's meant to be way better but it, it's it looks not much different so mm. they've done a lot on their software to, and, uh, to make it a lot more user friendly and do what you want but like I say it starts it's all these monthly sign up payment deals to get access to a lot of it mm. I think if I was to choose something that was a waste of waste of time it's Apart those, from the one that's going to get you in trouble, it's those uh, corner, corner clamps. <laughs> corner clamps, <laughs> right? It, when I remember when I bought them, I thought this is. I mean, this is just going to be a game changer, and yeah, band clamps on the other hand, uh, best thing in the world. Yeah, it's like the, what the corner clamp wanted to be, but those corner clamps, yeah, don't 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 uh, give it a go, but don't get your hopes up. I've got corner clamps and I do tend to agree with you. I think they tend to be far more hassle than they're worth. The the, the problem is, and you might be able to fix this if you use something like sash clamps as well, you never feel like you're getting that corner. You're not tightening that corner. You may be setting it at the right angle, but you're never actually squeezing it together. So what's the point? Yeah, yeah, totally. My take is that they're, they're... to hold it so it doesn't fall apart while you're about to put screws and stuff in. 
yeah. maybe that's that's a better way to use like it. So I, before you wrap the band clamp around. Do you know what I do? Be, I just stick a loose domino in the middle of the... Like, <laughs> say it's a miter for a, a drawer box or something like that, just a loose domino on the miter. And then you get your band clamps around it. It works so much better than corner clamps. Mm. Mm. Righto. We've done an hour. That was a good, that was a good idea, Brian. Yeah. Just throwing just, in some of those... Some of those questions. I, I know everybody is going to head straight over to YouTube and and Google punk YouTube. Can, uh, garage, garage, garage fodder. I've got it lined up ready. Garage fodder. Oh, here we go. So excited about this. <laughs> you know what's annoying? I I've got like a half a box of CDs of it, but mm. um, it's not on any digital device. Sometimes I feel like listening to it, and I can't just. I can't just uh, you know. In the old days, you used to have to go and put it on your computer, and then you'd rip it onto some yeah. digital stick thing that you could listen to and plug into your car stereo or whatever but yeah. it's not that easy I'm sure things. I'm sure we can crowdfund getting you a discman <laughs> or something yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so yeah everybody enjoy the music tonight uh, yeah. right. oh, I, I wish we could wanna... play out with one of the songs well you can do it in post Robin <laughs> yeah alright maybe I'll do that um, I also do just want to make a quick mention last week um, or last episode just a couple of things. The first one, the the, the audio wasn't great. Uh, essentially, we've had a bit of, well, I've had a bit of technical trouble this season and I've basically figured it out. But yeah, so that episode wasn't great. I just want to reassure everyone, it will get better from here. Um, yeah, we were, we were fresh, freshly back <laughs> into the show. So um, yeah. that was the first and hopefully the only one that you're going to notice. Fingers like. crossed. I tried something different this tonight. So hopefully it's better than it was. Oh, did you? Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. So, yeah, just uh, hang in there, everyone. It will get better. The second thing I want to mention, the number of people that I had contact me to say, you know, so happy you guys are back. I've been waiting for this. I've got my, my morning commute, you know, something to listen to. The number of people that contacted me, it's, it was so incredibly heartwarming. We... I don't know if you guys find the same, but we, we go on these long breaks in between seasons and I don't really hear too much mm. from people. But then as soon as we come back, everyone jumps in, jumps back on board and the support is just, it's amazing. It's yep. amazing. Awesome. It's been nice. Righto. Cool. Okay, back. everyone. Well, I hope you enjoyed Caesar episode two and uh, we'll see you all again next time. All right. See you. See you guys. Bye.